Coming up, all hell breaks loose in the NBA. Got to break this one into two parts. It's next. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Make this summer the best one yet. Invest in a Simply Safe home security system. I have one. I love it. It's a great way to protect your home when you're not there. Um, you need one, especially during the summer. You know what burglars know? People go away during the summer. That's what happens. So when you're away, you want to make sure your place is protected. You want to make sure that you potentially have little camera things you can watch on your phone to see what is, what's happening at your house, at your front door, inside. You deserve some peace of mind. Get it today with Simply Safe. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where we have new rewatchables coming on Monday night. It is the first one in our theme month. I'll tell you what the theme is: courtroom month. Oh, yeah. Courtroom month. You heard me. All movies that have something to do with a courtroom. We did A Few Good Men and we did The Verdict in the past. I have probably a couple others too, but all six movies that we're doing in July, including a bonus movie, all have to do with something related to the courtroom. The first movie we're doing, we're doing Primal Fear and it's me and Sean and Chris and talking a lot about the, uh, the courtroom tropes and why that movie was so impactful and why it's still impactful all these years later. So if you want to watch that before the podcast gets posted, it is on Showtime and Paramount and DirecTV. And Fubo. Yeah. So there you go. Primal Fear. First one. Courtroom month. Get ready. Hold on to your seats. Coming up on this podcast, it is part one of a two-part podcast with Rosillo and I taping this Sunday, 3.30 p.m. Part one. Breaking down all the NBA free agency stuff, themes, trade requests, everything you could possibly imagine. And then part two is going to post Midnight E.T., on a Sunday night as well. So that is the plan. Lots to discuss. Let's bring in Rosillo and our friends from ProJab. All right, taping this 3.38 Pacific time on Sunday. We feel comfortable doing a podcast, not knowing what's going to happen with Damon Lillard's big trade request. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the Miami doesn't have enough piece of this? Do you want to start with the will Portland actually have the balls to just trade him to whoever offers them the most assets? Um, or the timing of the request, which was basically, I don't know, 15 hours after free agency started, which was also kind of weird. Uh, where do you want to start? I think the timeline is worth at least exploring for a couple of minutes before we get to the, probably the more interesting stuff. Because the report that I had read today was that they met on Monday 
and it was with Aaron Goodwin. And it sounds like that meeting was, hey, we're done here. And I think, you know, for whatever you think the origin is of Dame flirting with the idea of leaving, which has been going on for a long time, um, them taking Scoot three, not being able to trade that for a contending asset, adding to that probably or not or not wanting to trade it. Yeah, which, you know, based on what the offers would probably be, like those are really hard trades. Like the, We went over so many different options of it, and I still think we thought every team would say no to it uh, yeah. because, hey, the Jalen Brown for the number three pick trade, you would have to absolutely think Scoot is like a no-miss kind of guy. And then if you were Boston, just hypothetically, you'd go, wait, why would we do that when we're a contender right now? So I think that was probably the last part of it. But like the, I'll admit, in the beginning, after the Grant deal was done, Bill, I'm kind of like, wait, so now you ask for it? But I really think he let him know on Monday. And it sounds like Cronin, per his request, the GM, was like, give me a few more days. So I think this was already kind of decided. So to be fair to Lillard, at least on this most recent timeline of the last week, I'm pretty sure Portland knew what was going to happen. Is that fair? Yeah, you and I are aligned on that. I think that's what happened, too. And maybe they you know, really wanted to re-sign Grant and were worried that they weren't going to be able to or... Who knows? Maybe they didn't want to lose any leverage if he hadn't officially asked for one. So um, so w- where we're heading now, Woj, on Wednesday or Thursday, Adrian Wojnarowski talked about that we're in this transfer portal era, era now, which you and I have discussed for a couple of years. But I like the phrase transfer portal era. I think that's really, really a good way to put it. So kudos to him. We're now in this era where, and the Celtics are staring at this now at the Jalen Brown extension, which by the way, has not been announced yet. And I think it's a little weird that we are now heading toward the night of July 2nd and we've had no news on an extension. I thought for sure that would be done by now. Um, but the Celtics are thinking about that with him. Like, all right, if we pony up 275 for five years or whatever, what happens if we lose in the Eastern finals? And then he's like, get me out of here. Is it going to be easy to trade that? Um, is that his plan all along? So you have these teams now trying to figure out the motives of of whoever they're signing because I'm signing with you for this money doesn't seem to mean anything anymore. And I think that's a really weird place to be and I'm not sure I like it. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought this up because I think it's up to all of us to kind of understand it. And it's a perfect term by Woj who's like, look, now it's get the contract and then worry about it. And I'm I'll admit, like, I'm fascinated with the idea of, like, what we're desensitized to. We could say in life, but for what we talk about in sports, like, whether it was the 80s and thinking free agency was the death of sports. Like, think about that. It wasn't us because we were kids, but, like, anyone listening to this now, if your parents were that into it, it was like, oh, ever since free agency. Like, that was a real thing. And well, remember the million-dollar was- <laughs> contracts? Like, Nolan Ryan signed for, like, $3 million for five years. It was like, oh, the sports is over. This is done. Right. Remember when Sports Illustrated would do everyone's salary every year and it would be on the cover? And then I don't know that there was one dad out there that looked at that cover and was like, awesome. I'm proud of these guys. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It was just, you know, the guy would grab a Sports Illustrated, he'd look at it and be like, what the fuck? You know, motherfuckers. Parker's making how much? (laughs) Right. Like this guy, this guy can't even field anymore, you know? And that's, that's kind of what we grew up with. And then, you know, whether it's, whether it's all the different, you know, the evolution of contracts and all this different stuff that happened. But, you know, not that long ago, it was, all right, this guy's going into his last year of his contract. They're, they're kind of screwed. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, wait, you know, Anthony Davis was like, a, and there's other examples here. I mean, Steven Jackson was one of my all-time favorites. He got the extension for three years and then was like, no, nah, I'm good. I want out of here. Like he might be the OG of this whole thing. Oh, you're and right. So- He's like the Lewis and Clark. 
<laughs> he really is because I remember the reason I remember it so well, because at the time, nobody had done that kind of stuff. I mean, maybe yeah. there's another example that we're not thinking of and the circumstance could have been different, but he just straight up got the extension for three years and like 30 something million. And then I think it was the Warriors, right? And he just went. Well, C-Web did the giant rookie contract that had the one year out. Yeah, that and was one, one of the year craziest. in. He's like, yeah, you better trade me or I'm going to opt out. And then that became the Washington trade eventually. Right. That that was its own thing that you were like, why would a team ever agree to that kind of thing using that kind of resource? Well, it's like, like why would it why would Washington agree to Bradley Beal's no trade request? I've never seen anybody completely destroy whatever trade they could possibly get a year ahead of time. Like, of course that was gonna happen. That's the one thing Portland has in their advantage now is at least Dame doesn't have a no trade. You know, I don't know I don't personally don't think they would fuck him over and be like, Yeah, we traded you Utah for a shitload of stuff. Good luck. But He'll, he'll, he'll have to have some sort of sense, but who knows? Like we saw the Celtics trade Isaiah Thomas when he was hurt. We've seen a lot of, you know, cutthroat stuff in the league. So I don't know what to think. If I'm sure, what does Joe Cronin care? He, you know, he's going to do what's best for the team and he's got Scoot and he's got Sharp and he's got Simons and he's got Grant locked down and they have all their draft picks and they're in a good spot. He definitely has Grant locked down. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that's for know, sure. <laughs> right. But, I think I think we've gone at warp speed from this guy has a year or he has a year and an option and then Beal fresh off the extension where they could give him the extra raises, they can give him the extra year, then they give him the no trade, that it feels like the NBA public has just accepted like, oh, Dame has a four-year deal here, which by the way, I screwed up last week. Uh, when you scroll down further, you see the oh, last yeah, there's two the years. the extension years, yeah. Because yeah, it's a little different. I, that's my mistake. Um, 58 million, 63.3 million, three and four years from now. Mm. And then you go, wait, cause like Ben Simmons did it, but I guess you could argue with that one. Like it was so untenable. Clutch was telling him he's not playing for you. He's not. Okay. And we were wondering like, when's the fake injury happening? And then it was, no, my mental health is such that I just can't play for Philly. So then that was kind of a weird one. So I, I, I think it's all worth talking about in that Durant, way. So Dame, don't forget Durant too. Durant, yeah, Durant signed the extension it. a year later, asked for a trade. Yeah, so this is all, I still feel like it's it's somewhat new, but now we're conditioned like, oh, Dame signs an extra extension after the first max extension to get the next two years, and now he wants out, and he only wants to go to Miami, and I guess like we're supposed to think it's everybody's supposed to be cool with it, and it, it kind of just brings it back to like your point with Cronin. Like, why is he going to do him the favor? Like is, well, is you, there any we, pushback you and I have coming? talked about this forever about what is what is in it for the teams to do right by the players and do they do they get paid back? And my theory is I don't think they get paid back. I actually think maybe they should be a tiny bit more cutthroat with all this stuff. Like I we'll talk about the fridge signings later, but I can't believe nobody just said, "Hey, let's try to fuck the Lakers over and offer Austin Reeves ninety eight million for four years." Like why not? You're competing against the Lakers. They're one of the one of the contenders for the next few years, at least, why not try to hurt them in some way? Like San Antonio had the cap space to do it and just decided not to. And it's like, they're, they're going to have to play the Lakers at some point when Wemby matures. So I don't know. It, I, it's weird. The players seem more cutthroat than the teams at this point, which is certainly different than the way it used to be. I will say that. Yeah. Like, I guess the simple question is, are any of us supposed to go, well, wait a minute, why did you do a two-year extension which gets you $63 million four years from now 
And then, but it's back to your transfer portal thing. I think the understanding the way business is done now, which also speaks to like how, how much less value there is with cap space. Like, you know, the years there were like six or seven teams stockpiling cap space. and there's some, Now it's like worthless because guys aren't even becoming free agents. They're getting their max deals and then they're asking for trades and they're certainly not asking for like a year left. Right. It's well, the Carmelo in 2011 when Denver was trying to trade him. And, you know, he could have just waited and signed with the Knicks, right? But he wanted to go to the Knicks so he could get the extra long, the extra year in his contract, right? So well, the Knicks no, had he, to trade he, assets for him. Remember, they traded him to Brooklyn. And he was like, cool, but, or it was the Nets. And he's like, I'm not signing. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, or they, they were, were down like, the road with the trade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, obviously it wasn't official, official, but like, it's weird. I almost look back at Mello and saying that Mello, even though it was miserable for them day to day, because that dragged on and it was still kind of new. Did Mello do it in the best way? Like Mello in 2023 takes the full max extension from Denver, then shows up and goes, oh, by the way, I want well, out of here. But he did. The Knicks did have to trade assets to make that trade work. And then he goes to the Knicks and they didn't have enough assets and he couldn't compete, which goes back to the basic premise of all of this, which is how do you balance making as much money as you possibly can versus I want to compete, I want to win a title, right? Carmelo, did he play in the finals ever? No. No. Like not even like I, when he was ring chasing it then. Yeah, he didn't. So... You know, that's, but he made a shitload of money. So I'm sure Dame was in the same situation. I don't like, you know, it, it, there's a little, oh man, poor Dame. He just deserves to be in a good spot. I think he's been in a pretty good spot the last 11 years. Like that team, I went through it the last 12 years. That team's had four top eight finishes in the league, right? It's not like he's been on like the bad news bears. He made, they made the conference finals. They kind of, it was a little funky because Houston and Gold State played in round two that year. But, for the most part, like, you know, they, they've been pretty successful. It's just not successful by, no, you weren't as good as the LeBron teams and in, in, you know, Cleveland and then the Lakers situation. You weren't as good as the, the Warriors, right? You weren't as good as the LeBron Miami, but you know, they weren't awful. And I, I don't see a trade other than the Miami trade, which I don't think is going to happen that will propel him to some sort of, oh, now he's on the cusp unless it's the Celtics. And that's why I'm now Jalen Brown could sign for this extension in, in five minutes and this will be moot. But I just keep circling that trade wondering it's starting to make more and more sense to me. Just but you hypothetically. Mean for Lillard? Like, I think there would have to be a third team. I think Jalen would have to go to like Houston and then Houston would have to send stuff to Portland and then Portland would send Dame to Boston. But something like, like if he wants to win a title and it's not Miami, where else is it? What guarantees him to actually be close to being in the mix? You go through the teams and everybody either has their team already or they can't make the trade. So if he goes to Brooklyn and he's playing with Bridges and Cam Johnson and Nick Claxton, is that team going to win a title? He's basically where it was four years ago. So if I'm him, I'd almost rather stay and wait until there's a better situation than just be like, trade me right now. And then I'm like on Brooklyn? Well, what am I going to do in Brooklyn? It's, it just feels way more complicated and it gets back to like our conditioning and it's like, oh, Dame wants out or he's just going to get his way, I guess. And it's like, well, is he? It's a this little different. This might be the time where somebody doesn't get their way because I think Portland probably looks at this and goes, wait, so we're supposed to accept Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and Jovich 
and a 28 and 2030 first round pick and maybe a swap. And that's what we're getting. Like, why do we have to do that? I would rather keep Lillard. And if, and you know, if, and just tell him like, look, man, we're going to trade you over the course of the next seven months, but just come back. Let's figure out if there's a better trade down the road for us and for you. And let's do it that way. But I'm not taking that Miami offer. Would you? No. It's 50 cents on the dollar. Why would I do that? Well, it's not It's not even the 50 cent of the dollar because you're not getting a dollar for dollar. You're going to lose this trade no matter what you do. Um, I actually think his market is is a little, a little less than maybe what it would be because they're talking about the small guards that I know historically you've brought up all the time. Like how well are they going to age? I mean, he's still a terrific player. I mean, he was incredible this year offensively until they kind of shut him down. So, like, the cool thing is, I know he's had some injuries here or there, but for the most part, he plays. But that $63 million number four years from now, I know Miami doesn't care. Like, Miami would just go, hey, we add him. This is Bam, Butler, Lillard, you know, made it to the finals last year, even we'll though I still can't out. believe it. We'll yeah, figure we'll it figure out. We'll figure out the rest. We'll, we'll worry about the money later on. The Brooklyn thing, like, if you're not getting... Bridges, which is the way it works. Hey, we we we'll take your player, but you don't get our best player, which is the way these trades always go. I don't really know what that means in the well. East. They've the said they've said like Bridges, we're not trading Bridges in a Dame trade. So technically, that means Bridges has more trade value than Dame, even though we know he doesn't. But for them, with the contracts, but for them, it's a sideways move. It's like cool, we lose Bridges, who really looked like an All Star player as soon as that trade happened. And but you don't trade them. You know, like teams don't trade. You take Brooklyn, take the Nets out of it. Bridges at this stage by himself, that contract, his age, how much better he looked away from Phoenix and all that stuff is more of an option or priority offensively. That guy doesn't get traded in this deal for Dame. So, you know, the Heat part of it, I know they don't care about the contract or anything, and it makes sense. But Hero's money at $27 million a year going out a few more years, Duncan Robinson at 18 and then 19 and a half million. I mean, unless you absolutely fucking love Jovic, which I have a hard time believing you're like, okay, well, at least we get Jovic in this thing. And then a couple firsts from a team that's usually pretty well run as we just learned more competitive than you'd even expect them to be. So what are those firsts going to be? So I, I just, if I'm Cronin, I'm like, I at least need one thing that I feel really good about that's coming back. So it may still well be Miami. The lessons that we've all learned in this league plenty of times too is when we're like, that doesn't make any sense. That couldn't happen. And then it happens because the player does end up finding a way to get his way. I just wonder what that third team thing is. I know you had a third teamer that I looked at and went, you know what? I actually don't think that's terrible. I don't know. You may have been on the trade machine all weekend, so I don't know if I'm confusing you by referencing it, but I thought you had a three teamer there with Portland where he ends, Dame ends up on Miami. And I looked at him and was like, I don't think that's actually crazy. Yeah. But straight up. Yeah. Straight up the hero contract and that kind of stuff, just two teams. I don't know how that matches up when what's the urgency if you're Cronin? What's, what's, Hey, let me just do Miami this massive favor. Uh, you know, really? It's it would be an insane move. I I mean, we didn't talk. There's another variable where Miami could throw in Lowry's expiring and take back Nurkic. Cool. Well, if I'm if I'm right, Portland and I'm money. trading Dame, I'm like, you got to take Nurkic. He's the tax for the Dame trade. You just got you got to take but, him. But that's where the Lowry stuff, you know, that changes a lot. But when you start doing the salaries and and trying to figure out a way to do hero without Robinson, like it gets well, you can't get really- Dame. Yeah, the, it's either has to be Robinson or um, or Lowry. The three teamer I had, it was uh, Lillard going to Philly with Norm Powell and Batum, Portland getting Harris and Zubats and Mann and Maxi and a and a few picks, and then the Clippers getting Harden and Nurkic. Since I posted that, 
And I don't know if Philly's posturing or not. And I said, we've certainly learned not to believe Daryl on anything at this point, but Philly's like, we're not trading Maxi in a Dame trade. That's not happening. So if that's not happening, I think Philly's out. I think Dame has also allegedly said he didn't want to go to Philly. The Clippers also, since that trade, signed Russell Westbrook, which makes me wonder, do they, do they want James Harden now? You want James Harden and Russell Westbrook together for the third time? We're doing that again with Kawhi and Paul George? I don't see it. I was surprised they signed, and you and I argued last week about Westbrook, and I was like, I think it's going to be December. No, it was July, July 1st. He went back to the Clippers. I'm not surprised. I mean, it was such a low number. The most they could offer him on the first year of the new deal was like 3.8 million. And that's what it was. So I thought I was, I was wrong on the money, but I don't know all the stuff that was out there. I don't know if there was another team that was going to go. But did that make you think Harden's out for them now though? Honestly, the Harden Clipper stuff felt, and I don't, I don't have the source anywhere. I feel like Harden's like, who will pay me? (laughs) Who will pay me? Like we talk about him being from LA. Oh, you know, that makes sense. I, I think he looked around and his his group looks around going, who's going to give me the contract that I thought I was getting in Philadelphia? Because I need my last three plus a player option or team option or non-guaranteed fourth year. Like that's another thing we were really conditioned to. And I don't know if we're pivoting into this now, but you know, the numbers were well, Philly can go to four years, 210 million, but they can't go to the fifth year because of the over 38, which actually makes it very competitive for Houston at four years and 200 million without the state tax. It's basically a wash and all this kind of stuff. And Houston to combine. <laughs> right, right. I go to the combine. I'm like, what are you hearing? What are you hearing? I had two different people be like, yep, Houston, Houston. And then I thought, okay, this is one of those times where like you'll hear the same rumor over and over again. And then I'll start going like, what are you hearing specifically? Not that I'm going to share, but like, what what can you tell me that tells you specifically this is why Harden's going to Houston? And I think everybody just kept repeating the same stuff over and over. And not only did Philly not want to go to four years in 210, Houston didn't even want to do the deal. I think I think Adoka changed the equation on that. By the way, with Harden, we talked about the player empowerment error. How about the pair, the player unempowerment error or the player the the player error? Harden basically, how much money did he cost himself the last couple of years? He could have had a huge extension in Houston. He could have had a huge extension in Brooklyn. And he could have done the uh, the transfer portal thing and just been like, yeah, I'll sign the extension now. And then forced his way out nine months later, but didn't think to do that. And then took less in Philly too. And 13 I, I million say, less. Right. 13 million t- less, but also like he could have made more. Now he's going to make 35 this year too. So instead of making... I don't know, 45 a year, those two years, he made 35. So he's cost himself at least 20 and doesn't have the kicker of the last year of that deal too. So I, that's about as bad as you can play it. Not to mention, did you, something didn't add up about the James left money on the table to sign PJ Tucker thing though. I know I'm, I was never positive. I believe that. Okay. But think about that timeline of going back and you're like okay so wait Harden did what so all of us are immediately like okay what like he must have a wink and a handshake deal here I mean the point it got to the point where it was even being investigated and well they got they got they got fine they no, lost like a no, second round pick didn't that they? was on the, that was on the PJ Tucker thing because I went back and just to be sure I went back and looked at it because like there was a joke out there saying well I guess that investigation's over it, it already had been over Right. But the PJ Tucker piece was part of the hard and taking less money piece. Right. But that was what they ended up losing the pick on. Yeah. Yeah. Supposedly talking to him. That feels all related to me. All right. Um, But, but when that deal happened, all of us are going, all right, well, 
if he gave up the 13, then they're maybe going to just make it up to him and then add on the extra year, right? And it was funny too, because then Harden at one point was like, yeah, I never got, I didn't get enough coverage of like how much credit I should get. Everybody's kind of like, whatever, dude. Um, But he had brought it up. Like, I didn't get any credit for taking that much less and adding to the PJ deal, which is a crazy deal in itself because of how Mm. old he's going to be in the last year of that player option. Here's what I don't know. Like, again, I don't know, but I'm guessing. The Maury Harden relationship, I can't imagine. I think Maury's ruthless in a good way. You know, I, I think when you think about him as a GM, and I know you want to talk about some of the recent history, which isn't great, but I think the overall approach to the way he sees building the roster and working with guys, like he doesn't screw around. And having, having known that about his past, I can't believe that he or ownership would tell Harden something and then do the exact opposite. You know, would they look at this past year and go, you know what? You were a declining version. You know, you look scared again at the end of the playoffs. Uh, maybe it's the owner buying a football team going, you know, maybe I don't want to do $200 million for this guy. I just wonder. You're missing, mis- you're missing a huge piece. Well, I'm just, I'm listening. Go ahead. No, you you listed all good things, but you missed the Embiid piece of this. Like, to me, this is Embiid. Saying I don't want to be attached to him for four more years at that number. If you were Joel Embiid, would you want to be attached to James Harden? I'm Ryan Rosillo, and I wouldn't want to. <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll talk Philly stuff, too. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, award-winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others, real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S, simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So who knows what to believe on the Philly Harden, all this stuff. I did a thing on my Thursday pod about how Daryl has been very, very consistent over the years about his two-star theory. They've been consistent that Maxi they feel like, is a star. And I guess my question is, do they feel like they're actually going to be better off building around Embiid and Maxi to keep Embiid and getting a whole bunch of stuff for Harden? Like, there's a version of that Clippers trade where it was like Powell and Terrence Mann and an expiring for Harden where I was like, I don't know, I actually kind of like that trade. I like Norm Powell. And then Ramona was on TV the other day saying, this, this weird that clearly came from Daryl of Philly wants to preserve two max spots next summer. So I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I, I didn't feel like there were a lot of great free agents, you know, kind of looming next summer. It's basically Siakam and DeJounte Murray and, and then it dips. And I just find it hard to believe Clay Thompson, Gordon Hayward, Buddy Heald, like it dips fast. So you're telling me everything they're planning now is to preserve two max spots. I don't believe it. I think they're up to something with a Harden trade. And I think they want to build around and beat and maxi and whatever they get for Harden, PJ Tucker, maybe work around the fringes. A lot of guys are, are have been snapped up by different teams, including Eric Gordon today, which got a gas for me that the Suns got him. 
We'll talk about that later. But I think they're on the Embiid clock, not the Harden clock is my point. Because yeah. I think the next domino is Embiid just going, you know what? It's been fun, guys. But I'd like to go to the Knicks or the Lakers. And those are my two choices. And I think they're on the clock with that. They just are. And if you look at the Knicks, all they did was use their mid-level on DiFincenzo. They got rid of Toppin. We'll talk about that later, too. I didn't fully understand that. But it it just seems like they're kind of poised to still do something. And I think everybody feels like all this shit is related. Dame, Harden, and Bede. They're kind of all interrelated in a weird way, even though they might all go to different teams. It's a great point, and you're right. I mean, you'd be naive to think that you're not on the Embiid clock because it's just the way the league works. I mean, you'd have to think that Embiid loves Philadelphia so much and that they've had his back, and maybe that is the trump card that he's like, you know what, I'm good here. But none of these guys like doing it on their own, and there's not one person, there's not one person that thinks four years or 200 million or, you know, if you want to get cute with that fourth year, that it makes any sense for Harden at this stage because you also start asking yourself, like, how's this guy going to age? Like, everybody knows the deal with him. He doesn't put in the work. Honestly, I'm rooting for him to stay because I want to see him play like he did for the Nets against Sacramento in Philly. <laughs> I, wa- I want to see it. Like, you want to see it one more time? <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> just, it's one of that my favorite, your favorite things. I remember you were texting me that night. You're like, I can't believe what is going on with Harden. I watched the game. game. I watched it the other day. <laughs> You have it on DVD, like I, when I watch Heat with Pacino and De Niro, you're watching the Harden Sacramento I had a game. guest over that was like, hey, do you want to record this movie? And I was like, do not delete that. Kane. Don't. <laughs> don't. Let me make sure the settings are up to date on that. Uh, you know, the Embiid, the Embiid point's a great point. And you're right. Like, I like Norman Powell so much. Like, you start to go like, wait, if you get Norman Powell and Terrence Mann, like, I guess you would say like, no way, you got to do better than that for Harden. I don't know that I want Morris's number on there, but it's like, yeah, what? What is it then? What's or Covington? Wh- but either way, it's an expiring that they could flip into something else, you know. Yeah. And I, and I, I just, you know, I thought Doc, some of the stuff Doc said about Harden, read between the line stuff on the pod that I did with him, I thought was really interesting. Um, the fact what was that, your favorite part? Yeah, remind us. Well, he talked about how they were the best team in the league for a couple months, playing a certain way. Yeah. And then he's like, no, well, this is what Doc's saying. And then he's like, and then we kind of started to change how we were playing. It's like, well, what does that mean? And it was because Harden couldn't sustain like the, I'm the unselfish James Harden point guard. And I'm just going to fill in the blanks thing, which he was really good at. I thought he was one of the best 15 players in the league. And like, you know, we were talking about all NBA and all that stuff in February. And I was like, I probably would have Harden on there at this point. Yeah. Uh, Suri, right. He said it was challenging to coach him was the quote. Challenging is tough. And look, for them to say say they were the best team, I'm sure statistically there's a stretch there that they were really good. There was like a three-month stretch where they had the best record. It's fair. um, You know, whether it's it's the bad bet on the way Harden takes care of himself. And again, I don't even think it's like necessarily bad stuff. I just, the way it's been explained to me is that, you know, guys would work with him and be like, hey, man, like... You re, you're getting older. Like, do you realize? And then Harden would, would essentially, you know, again, I'm, I'm not quoting here, but the understanding was kind of like, look how good I am now. And I don't have to do any of that workout shit. <laughs> like, like I, don't, I don't have to do any of that stuff. So then you're like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> At some point, you have to make that decision. At some point, you have to make that commitment. And so in a, in a way, he's put himself in this spot. But 
you're right. Like the Embiid thing may be the most important thing. I have no idea what was said. Clearly, as soon as we saw the guy the was the MVP, request, he averaged 33 a game last year, and it feels like he's going to ask for a trade pretty soon. I think, you know, my focus is on it. I'll say that. There's also another lesson in this too. Like when you talk to teams and you go like, "Hey, how come you did that?" or you know, "What what's what's the story with this?" and it's like, you got to keep these guys happy, man. Like, what's the point? If the, and I'm not like even getting the specifics, but like just little things. Be like, oh, you let that guy do that, huh? And it's like, yep, you got to make sure these guys are happy all the time because you never know when that trade request is coming and you want to do everything you can to prevent it. And look at poor Daryl. You know, he's had Harden's back tweeting like Zion's ex about Harden during the MVP race. <laughs> okay. Meets him at the tarmac. I yeah. mean, like a picture straight from the notebook. Right, has his back the entire time. And then as soon as Harden doesn't like the offer, he's like, I'm out. So there might be a lesson in there that you can do whatever you want. But once these guys decide they're going to balance the third time he's asked for a trade request in what multiple seasons. So um you don't, I don't know so, if he's going to find I like I don't know if he's going to find that pot of gold. It's funny how Darrow, who rose to prominence, looking at everything coldly and analytically you know, in a totally different way than most people did. And Harden turned out to be his Achilles heel. He just fucking loved the guy. And you look at look at all the stuff, even the last couple of years with Houston and then to Philly, he just pushed all his chips on the Harden table, which is a table that I don't think you and I would have pushed the chips in on. But it just multiple times here, the Chris Paul trade, when Harden's like, I, I don't want to play with Chris Paul anymore. And they do that Westbrook Chris Paul trade, which they haven't in those Houston hasn't even started paying off those picks yet. And then you look at the the Simmons trade, how that ended up. I was looking and, back. And by the way, ahead. it's a great point. And, oh, it's just a great point. Of like that should have been one of the other things I mentioned. We don't know this, but I think we know it. Russell Westbrook is the antithesis of what Daryl Morey would want in a basketball player on his team. Yes. And to move those assets for him. That is a, I'm doing this for James because I want to keep James happy. It's bad. So he takes over after the pandemic season. uh, Philly got swept by Boston and their assets were Embiid and Simmons and Tobias Harris and Tybal. They had all their first round picks. That that year, Daryl took over and the draft was like a month later and they drafted Maxie and Isaiah Joe and Paul Reed and he traded Josh Richardson for Seth Curry. And that set up the team that, you know, blew the playoff series against uh, against Atlanta. But his last seven major moves for them, like he, ha- he dumped Horford during that season, the 2021 season, because he wanted to get Danny Green. He wanted to get Horford's contract off. He also put in the rights to that kid that OKC just brought over. What, how do you say his name? Misich? Yeah. The point guard. Did I say that right? Yeah. yeah I don't know. Misich? Everybody likes him. And a top twenty, uh, top six protected 2025 pick with Horford. So they're attaching two real assets with Horford to bring Danny Green back. Traded Danny Green within a year to, for DeAnthony Melton. Um, traded By the way, that was Sim- a good trade. No, yeah. Traded Simmons, Curry, and two firsts for James Harden. Drafted Jaden Springer. Gave PJ three years, 33. Waived Isaiah Joe, which I think... I, I like Isaiah Joe. I think that was a tough one and traded Tyable for Jalen McDaniels, who's no longer on the team. But now where they are, um, they're missing three first round picks. 
they turned Simmons into Harden, who now wants to leave. Harris is on an expiring, and it just feels like that window closed. I, I was trying to think, like, man, what what was like the terrible move other than, you know, not getting Halliburton and healed for Simmons, which I think was the best basketball move you could have made. Um, other than that, most of the stuff's pretty defensible. Like getting the Horford thing, he didn't sign Horford, and Horford had to get rid play of that with contract. He, and he, he couldn't, couldn't play with Embiid. They had to fix it. But he also didn't have the good move either. And that's what's been different about this run with Daryl than some of the other ones. There's no move you can look at and go, oh, yeah, well, you got to give him credit for that awesome move. Really, like Seth Curry was the best one. So I just don't think he's... I, I, I can't say the uh, the Maury legacy has been enhanced that much by this Philly run, at least so far. Uh, I'm actually going to push back a little just because Please. I think this... I just think the Simmons part of it, you know, there's a time there I just I want to stay consistent on it. There's a time there. It's like you got this guy and you're turning down the bad offers for him, right? Most GMs would have given in and been like, this is untenable. I can't yeah, do it. Yeah, I agree it's, with you on this. He, wa also, he waited. He was patient. It's also putting Portland to the test. And who knows? Maybe it's going to put Philly to the test and Maury again with Harden here. You know, again, that one's a little, little different because he's only in on the player option. So... There was a time when Philly was rolling and, you know, look, man, I, it, it's, it's funny because I was even telling myself, like, there's not really much left for you to say about Harden. Then this week happens. I think we've covered it all. Right? And then yeah. I was like, well, actually, we're going to bring them all out again. As bad as that start of game seven was where I was like, uh oh, here we go again. You know, it's a seven game series. Maybe if Tatum doesn't go crazy. You know, they get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, I like, I like this. What a no, zag this is. I know. But like, is Embiid too much for Miami? You know, are they wow. in the NBA Finals? Like, it was. is it? Is there a what-if scenario where they were close enough where they go deeper in the playoffs? And as much as, again, I don't trust Harden. This is well documented. He got Harden for somebody who wasn't going to play. And he waited it out long enough where when Harden did come over, like, I just remember when they were rolling going, you know what, man? I don't know how many GMs would have had that patience or would have had ownership being on the same page. I mean, like this dude isn't playing like, let's go. Like we, we can't keep like sometimes teams will give into moves just because it's like, ah, we just needed to, we just needed to turn the page on it. And Daryl didn't. And as bad as the hardened part of it looks now, it was good enough to keep that team in a competitive mix where I think a lesser GM pulls the plug on it and maybe takes less of a package back. Certainly lesser than whatever you think Harden was this last year. I would rather have Hal Burton and Heald and kept Curry and kept my picks. And I said that at the time. I just thought that I just valued that more than Harden. Well, I can't argue against that because of what Hal Burton has turned into. Um, you're right. I just, I think it's very easy to kind of package the Simmons Harden thing today in a way that's completely opposite of the praise that I thought he deserved, even though honestly, I think that's fair. Yeah. But honestly, like when you think about it, you're like, wait a minute, what's the positive part about Simmons now? It's just a negative about, what what Harden would be. And if you're Balmer, by the way, like say, say it is Powell, say it's man, and you're like, okay, fine. And not even the Westbrook thing. I think that was just cheap and they liked him knowing the other guys are going to get hurt. And when Westbrook's allowed to just be the primary guys we saw in the playoffs, like he's going to put up numbers. Yeah. But like I know they're all in because of the picks they've moved and because of the building. You've been really good on that. I just wonder if Balmer and Lawrence Franco like actually no. <laughs> because and then, like, what if he doesn't get his contract extension? 
Like, what if he, because he's opting in, obviously, to make it more feasible for him to go somewhere that he wants to go because the free agency money wasn't going to be there for him. What if you trade for him, but you're like, you know what, we're going to see how this year goes. Like, what version are you going to get? How about if you gave him two years on top of the player option? You know, make it like a $100 million deal, right, with the, with the player option for this year. And considering his track history, like, what are you actually buying? Because what if, what if Kawhi and Paul George are gone, right? What if they go, you know what, we actually don't want to extend you guys. You got hurt again this year. You know what I mean? And then Harden's like, actually, I don't want to be here. Like, he has hurt his price. He may not like the Philly stuff. Philly could have been misleading. I don't know. So I don't want to accuse anybody of anything. It's clear that what he thought he heard a year ago to what he got hurt, you know, to what he was offered this week, there was a disconnect for him to go ahead and ask for this trade. But he's also greatly diminished his own value with the way he's taking care of himself and the fact that he will burn you when he's not getting what he wants. And he's been incredibly erratic now for four years. That would be the other reason not to trade for him. It's like, well, he was unhappy in Houston. They gave him everything he wanted that whole decade. He went to Brooklyn. He immediately became unhappy there within a year. And then he went to Philly and now he's unhappy and wants out again. So what what would make me think the Clippers are going to be the one that solves this? It, it just feels like a classic stupid Clipper trade. I agree with you. But if it was just Norm Powell and two expirings, I would do it. I would roll the dice on it. If it was man and Powell and an expiring, now I'm a little more nervous about it because, you know, make a case Kawhi and Paul George if they're healthy and I like the KJ Martin signing that was fun it's like I kind of like the team they have if everyone's healthy and I don't know if I want to introduce Harden into it especially if you brought Westbrook back so hey if I could get him at a discount sure I love Norman Powell yeah I do too I I love that guy and by the way I love the KJ pickup I can't believe you just brought that up it was one of my favorite ones I actually made me mad I'm like what the hell how is two second rounders I was on a thread today with somebody about could the Celtics turn Brogdon into Norman Powell and was on the trade machine. It's like, oh, they'd have to throw in a mere coffee. And I was like, I just like Norman Powell. He's the kind of guy I've always wanted the Celtics to have, you know, in a playoff series where it's like nobody can make a shot and Norman Powell comes in and just scores 18 points in the second quarter. I like those guys. So uh, quickly on Halliburton, I came up with all the what if teams for Halliburton because he signed for 5-260 today. And there's a, a, we we did the draft before when I was making the case for Golden State to take them. That is now a YouTube short that somebody did that has 70,000 views with you and I. I'll send it to you. Uh, you and That's I. a good number. And you coming back and being like, I don't know, man. Like we were talking about for Golden State. I was like, this has a chance to be a worthy in 1982 like asset for them, right? They have a chance if they nail this pick. And I was just like, I like Alburn. Um, So Golden State, they could have taken him at two or traded back a couple spots. I'm sure they regret that. Detroit takes Killian Hayes over him at seven. The Knicks take Obi Toppin over him at eight, and they didn't have a point guard. That's where it gets tough. Wizards, they take Denny at nine. And then Phoenix, we've talked about many times, they take Jalen Smith at 10 instead of Halliburton. And if they take Halliburton, I think they win the 21 title. I really do. San Antonio takes Vassell at 11 over him. Eh. I, whatever. Uh, Boston sitting there at 14, could have traded up for him, didn't do anything. And then Philly could have flipped Simmons for Halliburton and healed. So that's eight teams that just look at Halliburton now and they're just like, man, 
was sitting right there. We liked him in the draft. Plus, it was the pandemic draft where we just had months and months to stare at the YouTube clips. The advanced metrics were great with him that he could play off the ball or have the ball. And it's just, it's kind of crazy. That's over uh, a fourth of the league, Rosillo, that kind of missed on him. Here's where you push back. I just don't think it was realistic Golden State was going to take Halliburton number two in that draft. Um, Could they have gone both- back four spots and dumped a small contract or something? I just well, now, you're, now you're just like saying, yes, all of these things could have happened. But, you know, it's really easy to look at Wiseman and some of the dudes later on and go like, what were you thinking? Uh, I think you're Phoenix. Because you were on the Phoenix thing, I think, more than any of those. You know, like yeah, I was, should- I was horrified. I couldn't believe right. they didn't take him. Especially right. with Chris getting older and it just, that was a, what are you doing? Halliburton would have been the perfect player. Oh my God. Chris Paul, because the greatest thing about him was that he just saw the game differently than other guys when you watch him in college, but then he could just, he just fits in in all these different ways. And you're right. They, I don't know. I mean, Giannis went fucking crazy. So just to all of a sudden pencil in an L next to Milwaukee seems to be uh, well, but think though those those four wins, but, I think three of them came down to like two plays. So I think I think like if you just have Halliburton in that series, does that swing that seesaw a tiny bit? Let's take a break, and then I, a couple more damn things I want to hit. This episode is supported by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, "Man, why did that happen?" If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really... The only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. All right, so we didn't talk about this piece. San Antonio, there was a crafted tweet about how Dame, who said it? It was one of the reporters about how Dame had always had this respect for San Antonio, a deep respect. Deep respect. That's beyond just respect. Deep respect. Um, You think any of that's real? Where did that come from? That threw me for a loop. They certainly had the assets to go after him. And... um suddenly become an intriguing 23-24 team if Wembenyama's defense is at least where we think it's going to be. I, I think we're both a little wait and see with the offense. But the defense, I think, could be pretty special. Um, do you believe that one? Because I had trouble believing that one. Why would he want to go there and be part of a rebuilding thing? Like, if, unless you think, 
like as good as Wembenyama um, is going to be, I just think offensively it, there's going to be some rough patches here early on. I, I would think, unless I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's going to come right in and store, score twenty. I think that's right. You're in the finals next year with him, probably. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I mean, maybe he scores twenty because there's enough shots for him there with with Keldon and Vassell. Um, but I, I'm looking at it. I'm like, well, if they're not including Keldon Johnson, the McDermott contract. Like, I, I think just Keldon had, Johnson would have to be in it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that makes a little bit of sense there because then you go, all right, well, at least we're getting a young guy that you kind of like. And I like Keldon, but I also wonder, like, you know, is, was he the, the lead guy in a tanking team? Um, so how good is right. he really going to be? But, you know, if you're Portland, you go, hey, well, who's the best young guy that we can get back that we actually want? We don't hate his contract. Like, can you do better than him? You might not be able to do that much better than him. I guess I was just a little surprised that, like, does Dame think that he would roll into San Antonio with what the rest of that roster is next year and start competing? Would he be patient enough to be like, all right, let's see how another year goes? So it just, it felt like the way these two things are aligned, they just don't seem aligned. What San Antonio is going to be doing the next couple of years and what Dame is hoping to do before he's done. I, I'm with you. I was a little I didn't surprised understand by it. If we're just talking about teams where he could go and have a real chance to win the title other than Miami and Boston, and even Philly, like, I don't know if it's just him and Embiid and basically a below average supporting cast. I'm not positive that works either. Minnesota was pretty intriguing to me. And I don't even know if I'd go there, if he'd go there. But if it was Towns and, you know, I, I don't even know what else they have to offer at this point. But Towns and even just Towns for Dame, probably not enough. But I was just trying to think if you had Gobert and Edwards and you kept slow-mo and you kept McDaniels and you had Dame, like that is a team that I think could compete in a real way. Yeah, because even whatever I think about Minnesota now, I'd expect them to compete next year without Dame. Dame and Edwards right? is like, holy shit, we're, this is going to be a tough game for us tonight. Yeah, and I think it solves the inevitable Towns problem that you're going to have. And I don't know if Minnesota, I mean, look, I know what they would say. Minnesota would argue, hey, our guy's younger. And despite some of the flaws, like this yeah. dude, this dude puts up crazy numbers and he's one of the best shooting bigs and he's not 63 million four years from now. So you got to give us something, you know, you got to give us a sweetener and Portland's going, your guy isn't even close to being the same guy as our guy. And then we'd have to resign him anyway. You know, like we already know what all the different arguments would be, but I don't think it'd be like one side is overwhelming. The other one with sweetener on top of one of those two players. Right. Or maybe you have the, I keep throwing in Houston because Houston seems to me, they have all these young assets that aren't ready to play yet. And they also signed Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks. So I'm like, does this team, are they trying to be good right now? And if they're trying to be good right now, maybe they'd want Towns. And maybe they'd give all the assets to Portland and then Dame goes to Minnesota. I can't <laughs> wait to talk about Houston. I, I think we <laughs> save Houston for part two. Yeah, no, I get <laughs> yeah. it. I get it. But like, imagine them going like, hey, look, we can't do this deal now. But like, Dylan Brooks has been here 48 hours and he's... <laughs> He hasn't any interest. There's no games. There's there's no games, but he was picking up garbage the other day, um, which I don't know if you'd read that Anthony Richardson did that Colts quarterback. So that's mm. a huge sign of future success if you pick up garbage at an event after everybody leaves. So um, I, I just I don't when I saw the Houston stuff and when some of those contracts became eligible to even be traded, uh, you know. But look, it kind of just gets back to the point that we started an hour ago. If if these are the offers and I'm Portland, 
You're waiting. I, I just wait, you have to wait till December, no. January. And then you go like, well, what's the downside to it? Oh, Dame isn't happy. I think the cool thing about Dame, and it's kind of the Durant thing, where when you have Durant on your team and you're Brooklyn and you're like, all right, this guy wants everybody fired right after he got the extension and, and he wants all this stuff to work out. It's like, well, guess what he loves to do? He loves playing basketball. Yeah. And I think Lillard. Let's use that against him. Yeah. <laughs> I think Lillard's probably more on that line. I think of the bigger city teams, the irony of like OKC, Utah, New Orleans, who have all these assets, but it's really hard to lure a guy like Dame who's in a smaller market to be like, come to our small market instead. Like, I think Brooklyn, at least with all the Phoenix first and the swap they have and the Dallas pick and the Philly picks, like they have the assets to pull something. They have Dinwiddie. I I can't believe I'm saying this, but I still feel like Simmons is at least intriguing if I'm a rebuilding team. Oh like Portland God. to me is perfect. Portland is perfect. Just put him there with Scoot in the middle of nowhere. And at worst case there is an expiring contract in a year. But you know, as we covered earlier, I'm still not sure where that gets me if I'm Brooklyn ultimately. At least I have a, I, I now I have Dame and Bridges and, and Cam Johnson and I have a poster, right, for the for the subway. When people are on the subway, it's like, Nets, it's a new era, the new big three, whatever. I, at least I have that. Dame is somebody that I do think people would go to see in the New York area. They don't of have course. a person like yeah. that now. Right. So, I can kind of talk myself into that. I just don't know if I'm Dame. Am I in a better spot? I like that you brought up those other teams because you feel like Utah with all the future picks because that's probably what Portland's going to end up doing. Utah's the on. most. If Utah's like, we'd like Dame Lillard and they, it's like, what's it going to take? They have the most to offer. Because it's they're, picks. Right. They're, like, they're basically the real estate buyer from, from Russia who just is paying all cash and they're not even, you don't even have to, they don't even need like to, the inspection. They're just like, here's a suitcase. That's, that's Utah. They're did like, we sell, have 12 Did you sell a house picks. to a Russian recently? It <laughs> <laughs> seemed kind of specific. I don't know. I was just making a joke. Uh, Utah has all those picks plus, plus uh, a couple young assets. They can throw Sexton in there. Like they can make basically, they have a Linux expiring. They can make anything work. But would Dame Lillard be like, cool, I'm going from Portland to Utah. And then where I have am I to, going? I, I have to imagine that he's like, I'd like to go to one of the big cities now. Right. Time around. Even but all the big Miami. cities are kind of have their guys already. Like the Lakers and the Clippers, they're kind of set. The Knicks, they're, you know, Brunson's the most popular Nick in 15 years. They're not going to get Dame. Miami doesn't have enough. So, you know, that list goes down pretty fast. The Orlando Magic, are Paolo and Franz ready to be the big three with Dame? I'm sure Orlando would be like, hey, if he wants to come here, we can put something together. But I can't imagine that he's, I think the Miami thing is the trust in them, having the best coach, seeing what they just did without him, uh, how great they are on the margins with all these other players, which you don't expect that to just kind of run its course. But I also think I'd be like afraid of signing some of their guys away from them uh, with the Struce money. And look, the Gabe Vincent deal is a really good deal for the Lakers with that that kind of price. So, uh I, I tried all morning. I tried all morning and I kept looking at stuff and I was trying to be realistic. And I was like, I can't tell if this is going to be one of the classic NBA lessons where you go, oh, I guess they just did it. Like, why did I put any time into this? Like, he just got his way, right? Or yeah. if it's going to be one of the rare times with the more recent developments of players having this much time left on their contract going, no, I don't care. This isn't the year left thing. This isn't the lame duck situation. The money's mine. All that money is mine. And 
now I'd like to go somewhere else and I don't care. And some GMs would give in. And, you know, that's why I kind of defend Daryl a little bit in the past because I thought what he did with Simmons in a really tough spot. Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't, in a weird way, like, am I rooting for that? Like, am I rooting for some teams just to start going, no, sorry, no, we're not giving you away. Sorry, dude. If you're a Blazer fan, wouldn't you be like, hey, man, we actually have a really nice young foundation now. If you're going to trade Dame Lillard, can you actually get real value back for him? Like, do we have to give him away to, you know, thanks for everything, Dame, for the last 11, 12 years. But if it's okay with you, can I not get 30 cents in the dollar for <laughs> for our best asset? Is that cool? Can we get a real trade back for you? Thanks. That's how I would feel if I was a Blazer fan. That's why I always loved the Kobe to Chicago one so much because they were like, all right, I guess it'd be like Luol and then whatever. And then Kobe was like, no. Like, I want, yeah, I need those guys on my team. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want you to trade, you know, because it's, it's some of these get so out of control where it's okay. I want the max deal. Oh, and by the way, now I want to be traded, but don't trade any of the good players because I want them there too when I go so I can have a chance to compete and, you know, get back to me by the end of the week. And you're just like, what, what? Well, that's why with Phoenix, putting Cam and Bridges in the trade is kind of nuts in retrospect. The desperation they had to get that deal done, I just I still don't fully understand it. Especially she, too when when Ramona had the piece after the fact, it was like they wanted to make sure it didn't turn into a bidding war. Guess what? If Duran is telling me, who by the way said I was I should be fired this summer, <laughs> going back a year, and then has right. the extension, and then decides actually I'm out of here too after Kyrie makes his trade demand, I'm shopping that around. I'm sure, but uh, you know, I don't know how much better you do than Bridges and then all of those picks. I made up a trade. I'm going to read it to you right now that involves, and uh, again, Jalen Brown, Saruti, please keep checking Twitter to make sure uh, Jalen Brown didn't sign the extension. But let's say Dame goes to Boston and Jalen goes to Houston. And now if I'm Portland and I have my pick of Houston assets, Rosillo. Would you rather have Jalen Green or Jabari or Jabari Smith? Jabari Smith. Okay. Would you rather have Cam Whitmore or Eason? Uh, I got to tell you, like, you know, and, and by the way, going back to last week, I, I feel like it got played a little bit more that it was about the, the background stuff. It was the knee, which I tried to emphasize last week. Yeah. Cam Whitmore dropped more because of the knee even though I added more context to it, which kind of turned into something um, that was beyond. But look, I think I'd like Tari Eason better, even though he's not the player Cam Whitmore is. It's just there's enough teams out there that were like, you know, I agree about the All injuries. Right. So, so you Jabari, agree. Really, really. I'm surprised. Yeah. I, I think I, I'm No, I, li I like Eason. I think he's good. So I think Jabari, Eason's, Eason's one of those guys like I had a harder time with at LSU, but now when I watch him in the pros, it's like, just throw him out there. And watch yeah, he him do stuff. gives a shit. Jabari, Eason, Porter's contract, which seems prohibitive, but it's really a one-year deal. Um, and you can get out of it after next season. Malcolm Brogdon, who they can flip if they want. And a couple of those, uh, those Brooklyn picks that Houston has. And if I'm Portland, that's a pretty good trade. And I'm getting Jabari Smith and Eason and some picks, and I can flip Brogdon into something else. And I think I would rather do that than anything Miami has to offer. Now, 
Jalen might sign his extension two minutes from now, but I'm just a little suspicious it hasn't happened yet. Anyway, my point is there's way better stuff out there and it's also a trade like who knows when we get to December, January, who knows who's going to be desperate to think, I don't know. I just would not trade him now. Last question before we wrap up part one and then we're going to go in part two. We'll go through a lot of like the uh, winners and losers stuff. Who are the tank teams this season for you? Because the league now is in this weird spot, especially in the West where basically everybody's good except for two teams. And in the East, there's a lot of teams feeling good about themselves. So if you're just going to say who's probably going to suck this season, I had Charlotte. Maybe Portland if they do a Dame trade. Houston if they're a year away. San Antonio, maybe. Orlando, maybe. Toronto, maybe. And Washington, probably. So I'll give you Charlotte, definitely. Washington, probably. And then Portland, Houston, San Antonio, Orlando, Toronto as our conceivable bottom seven. And maybe Chicago's in there too. I don't know. But I, those teams have a lot of talent. It's just weird. I, I think the, the lower class this season is going to be a little better than usual. And, and now you said the draft isn't that good next year, right? People are like kind of down on it. Uh, people are been, people have been down on it for two years. So we're one yeah. year away. Um, and I, you know, look, I think this happens a lot. I've said this before. You're removed from a draft. Everybody starts saying these guys suck. And then they're focused on only watching them. You get a little bit closer. You start talking yourself into a players. But this 24 feels like in its own tier of people were already mapping out. They were hoping maybe if they were going to change the age restriction entry level thing, which appeared that silver was more into than anybody else was. So once you didn't and have they never end up year, doing that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Remember we were talking about like, are we going to get a double year there where all of a sudden yeah. teams are going to be trying to line up and get their picks there. I also think it's like when you look at all these teams that had these picks, people weren't going like, well, let me just flip this first into a next year first because people already knew how much they didn't want. So you're right. Like, these younger teams, whether it's Houston, whether it's Orlando, Detroit, getting their backcourt back. Um, you know, even San Antonio. Oh, I should have had Detroit in there. That's a mistake. Detroit is the eighth team. Right. But My they bad. have now been spending three years, these teams, adding really nice talent to them. And that's why I thought even I did this segment this year where I'm like, I like watching the bad teams this year because I like the talent. And yeah. some of these teams try really hard. I mean, Orlando was 34 and 44 before they last lost the last four games of the regular season. I, I don't know that I'd be shocked if if Paolo's as good as I think he's going to be, that they're flirting with 500. And they so, added two lottery picks. And yeah, and Detroit's getting Cade back. And they did take the Thompson twin who might not be ready yet. But so maybe it's Charlotte and Detroit as the definites. And then there has to be two West teams. So well, tanking and losing are two different things. Well, somebody's got to lose, yeah. <laughs> but then uh, when you get like six weeks left, all of a sudden you're like, fuck it, let's tank like Portland did last year. Right. Um, Nobody tanks in December. The bottom is as competitive as I can ever remember it. And I kind of felt that way about the handful of, you know, the bad teams again that picked at the top of the lottery. There's just yeah. a lot of talent on those teams that I really like. Like, I, I mean, we can get to the Houston free agent signings here, but like you throw an amen to that of like what the best version of him could be with his athleticism and the playmaking. And then, you know, Jalen on the right night looks like something special. I don't know how he's going to fit in all this new stuff. There's some stuff from Jabari. If they actually like let him kind of initiate a few more 
possessions on his own, but that's on him to become a better ball handler and all that kind of stuff. And then we haven't even mentioned Shingoon. There are all these teams like Duran on top of the guys that the Pistons have and their lottery pick. Uh, How about Charlotte with, you know, Hayward in a contract year and LaMelo and if Miller's good right away and they have Rogier and then PJ Washington, it's like not a bad team. They might've been like an eight seed in 2010. Well, and they brought Bridges back too on the one year. Right, right. And then, so I look at a team like Washington who refashioned themselves and have, had basically has a lot of different tradable assets. If they wanted to be bad, they could be bad, but they could also kind of hang around. So I, I don't I feel know. Like, I don't know about that. I think they're going to be pretty bad. But I mean, they could hang around for a couple of months and at least get a sniff. And there's some what? Ewing theory. Well, there's some Ewing theory potential with Beal that can't be overrated. By the way, Perk was doing... You and I love the good team, good stats, bad team guys. And Perk, who was really against the Porzingis trade, which I was surprised by, but was talking about how he put up these big stats, but they didn't matter. There are these games that didn't matter. I am on the on the good stats, bad team police. I'd like to feel like I I got a badge and there was a charity dinner for me. And like I've been on that, I've been on that beat for 25 years. I that little Por- mice just churned the butter. <laughs> I thought Porzingis had good games against really good teams. Like he killed the Celtics last year. He w- he wasn't putting up cheap stats is my point. I don't know if I would use the good stats, bad team argument with him. I don't know what happened to him in Dallas with Luka. If you're going to hang Porzingis on anything, it's like, what the hell happened in Dallas? Um, and the injury stuff over and over again. But I, I thought he was really good last year. And House, who was predisposed to being like, this is a disaster, was like, this guy's fucking good. Like he's winning games for us. So I don't I didn't buy the good team good stats bad team argument with him. It was clearly the best year he's had, okay? Yeah. And he's missed a million games. So I liked it because I thought they needed to be different. I think Perk's biggest thing was taking Marcus Smart's personality, the emotional side away from Boston. Um so I got that part of it. Let me just say I liked the Przingis deal a lot better when it was one year. But to throw him the extra $60 million, to make this a $100 million investment with his injury track record. And the Celtics have gotten really lucky with it. Horford last year was a miracle. To expect yeah. that to happen again is, I think, unlikely. Brogdon totally worked out, had a great season, got hurt at the end, obviously at the wrong time. But to then throw Porzingis into it too. My uh, intel was, I think they were tired of having a broken offense basically in every playoff series that as the series went along, the smart teams could just strangle. Yeah. And it was, it was just too many series. They were tired of it and they needed to change it. And you can't blame smart solely for it, but I just think they wanted different players and, and players that people had to guard. Seems yeah, to but be like, look, it, since 17, 18 games here, he played 48. He missed all of 18, 19. Uh, in 20, which is a 75-game season, he played 57, so that's pretty good. In 21, he played 43 games. In 22, he played 51. Last year, he played 65. His usage rate with Washington's basically around 20%. They benched him, they benched him like the last eight for tanking, though. I think he was yeah. healthy last year. Okay, so you got me there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that one. Um, Point Simmons. <laughs> the usage rate was hovering like just south of 30 which Ooh. is like a number one option, big Ooh. time guy. The true ah. shooting percentage uh, was in the low 60s, which is, you could argue, a bit of an anomaly for him. Uh, let's just say I don't know, man. Eye test wise, he was kind of I'm not telling it. you. Look, I'm not telling you he's bad. He's not. I, my point is, 
I don't think he's a good stats, bad team guy. I think he's more a, I hope he stays healthy guy. I would put him in that camp. But clearly they had to have some kind of understanding to be like, can we do this deal if you opt in? And then it's like, okay, and what's the other part? And that's the 60 well, It's million. like what you said two podcasts ago where you were like, a guy like Porzingis is going to want more years because he's got an injury history. I Listen. It's Middleton. This- it's Middleton. Like, why would Middleton opt out of $40 million? Well, because he knew he was going to get two more years tacked on. It's less average annual. But now he's got $100 million in the bank. Yeah. Or it's what? What was Middleton? One twenty. But my thing is... Or 90? Sorry. So this year you throw away because you need it for this year anyway. Next year is the X-Factor year. And then the last year, worst case scenario, expiring. So you still like it. You still like Przingis. I do. I do. I like the trade. And I think they had to do something with Smart. And they got picks. And I, I, I like Jordan Walsh. I like that they have this gold state pick. I think it gives them more flexibility. And I hope they bring back Grant. I think... I really hope that they match whatever grant offer is out there. And I think he's looking at a mid-level market, but um, maybe by the by way, the, Middleton, yeah. it was, it was three for one Oh two, but it was a player option. In the back. I just want to make sure I had it right after the yeah. Dane screw up. We're going to jump off. Kyle's going to put this up and we're going to start taping part two, which is going to go up uh, a couple hours after people hear this one produced by Kyle Creighton as always Steve Cerruti here as well. Priscilla, I will see you for part two.